Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Gerard is my son who was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he didn't do, innocent, and he went to jail for, um, for <laughs> an innocent person in jail. So we hear about this all the time. But, you know, and some people still don't believe it to this day that innocent people go to prison. But he went to prison, didn't know the people, didn't know, had no idea of the incident, but he still went to prison. So um, because of that journey with him and because of all the people I met on that journey and uh, families that also had incarcerated loved ones who were in prison wrongfully, it created this movement and this movement created this platform turning a moment into a movement. And so welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, I also want to give a shout out to those who are watching on YouTube, those who are watching on Twitter, those who may listen to us later. Thank you. Um, it's because of you guys um, that we're doing this. And I want to say uh, hi to all of those that are in the feed right today. Thank you guys. It's been a week. Uh, since we've been here, I had to take a break. It was my birthday, and um, I was feeling some kind of way about my son missing him, and so I took a break, did a little bit of self-care, and so now we're back, and I'm glad that we are here because um, we have so much work to do, and um, so let's get going. I see Reverend um, Tia is in the queue, so we're going to bring Reverend Tia in. But while we bring in, um, Reverend Tia in, I also want to remind you guys about our mission. And um, our mission, the Justice for Gerard movement, is to bring awareness to the wrongful conviction of not only Gerard, but others who are wrongly convicted, over-sentenced, medically ill, mentally ill, I'm sorry, medically frail in our community to aspire, organize, and educate all communities about the need to disrupt systems, policies, and patterns of the um, criminal legal system that leads to wrongful convictions. That's why we're here, and that's why we do this. Greetings, Revetia. <laughs> Greetings. Good evening, Jay. I'm so excited to be here this evening. And you know what? Every time we, we go through the mission, I feel more empowered all the time to do what it is that God has allowed me to do. And that is to be it. Yeah. So we're not just coming on here weekly talking about what's going on or what we need to do or not only the education that's behind it, mm -hmm. but it is a part of our everyday living, being it, being a part of social justice allowing your life to reflect it. And mm -hmm. so I'm coming to you as founder of the Choice Zone where I help people get in their mindset to choose themselves. That's all I've been talking about today. <laughs> choose you, love you, love you all the way, all the way till you can look in the mirror. I asked somebody earlier today, when's the last time you looked in the mirror and told yourself, I love you so much and gave mm -hmm. yourself a kiss? People may say, oh, you're doing too much. No, nope. we have to be that vigilant to ourselves first and then to others, to our people, the people in our community. And so, Jay, this is uh, definitely a passion of mine. I, um, and whatever I do, whether it's uh, with the Michigan Coalition of Human Rights 
or G100 Oneness and Wisdom or with Transforming Love Community. It's about demonstrating the love and the justice that is already present within each and every one of us. That's if you allow it. That's if you want to stop judging and start loving. There is a difference. <laughs> so I can't wait. I can't wait. We got stuff to talk about. And we got some hidden truths to be told. Yes. Every day we learn something new, Reverend If you're not learning something new every day, then, hey, you need to probably check yourself. Because <laughs> we should all be open to learning and open to change. So yes. thank you, Reverend Tia. I mm -hmm. see Attorney Hugo Mack. Greetings, Attorney Mack. How are you? Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love J Love. First of all, I love your hat. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love your hat. <laughs> we got our hats on tonight. Right, right, right. And and Tia, keep making me love you here. Keep making me love you. Okay, see. Okay. <laughs> but look here, J Love and, and my sister Reverend Tia, I just want you to know. Of course, you know what I'm fitting to say later on. You know that. You know, mm -hmm. J-Love, in a strange kind of way, I'm kind of like Sam Riddle's little brother. Because <laughs> you know I'm going to say it. You know I'm going to say it. You know I am. But before I do, before I do, <laughs> let, me <say> <laughs> <laughs> let, let me say this. Let me say this. You know, J-Love and Reverend Tia and the audience, you know, I believe it was in March of 1963, we had Bloody Sunday mm -hmm. at, the, at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. To me, that's 60 years ago, if my, if, if, if my, if my time is right. Uh, but if I'm wrong, y'all correct me. But when I saw that and I saw President Biden, okay, walking there with Al Sharpton and other civil rights leaders, I just want to put people in remembrance. I'm not in love and Black people should not be in love with the Democratic Party. We should not be in love with any party. We should support policies that favor us, you understand, that favor us. So what I'm saying is the reason that I do, and I want to make this real clear, and I just speak for myself, that mm -hmm. I by and large support Democrats because they are doing more to me to address policy and change that are important to me and people who look like me, okay? Because I didn't see Kevin McCarthy at the Edmund Pettus Bridge walking across it talking about civil rights, okay? I didn't see Sean Hannity out there walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, okay? You know, you know, I didn't see Marjorie Taylor Greene out there, okay? I didn't see Donald Trump. I didn't see Marco Rubio. I didn't see uh, that that buffoon down in Florida. What's his name? Uh, DeSantis? Uh, you know, you know, oh, I know. Hey, you know what? <laughs> you know, now, now that I've said that, I'm not going to be able to buy no oranges from Florida because they may try to get me that way. So, <laughs> you know, Jay Love and Reverend Tia, in my line of work, that's why I don't have my office address printed out. I don't want them focusing on me. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, I got five mobile offices, you know. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. So, so they're going to have a hard time finding me. But, but anyway, anyway, so what I say is, is this, is that, the quest for justice does not stop, you know, and, you know, Jesus only had 12 disciples and one of them was a traitor, but he changed mm -hmm. the whole world. And so what I'm saying is when I look at y'all, I get so encouraged 
these strong, beautiful black women, I'm so encouraged, so encouraged, you know, and so, and encourages me to help black men, because I'll be very honest, you love, we need more black men involved in the fight for freedom and justice. Yes. It's been far too long we have had to depend on the black woman to be mother and father and everything. And, you know, I know black men, slavery and, 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 and incarceration, I get it. But there's far too many of us out here that are not stepping up to do what we need to do. Okay. Yes. And, and it's true. So I'm calling them out. You know, I'm, I'm calling them out. So thank you, you know, and, and, and God bless you. Everything you say about Just for Gerard movement is etched in my heart, J-Love, when I, when I hear you talk. And Reverend Tia, you know, I start taking notes when you be talking. And so, <laughs> so, 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 so I love it. So now that I've said that, J-Love, there's something else I want to tell. I want okay, to tell we you. ready. Okay. <laughs> Looking up, Mr. and Mrs. America, all ships at sea and all people of good intention and will, silence, public announcement on the way. If you find yourself on Trouble Boulevard, push, drag, toe, haul, beam up like Scotty on Enterprise, that hoopity, to Mac Street. Mac Street. Park in my virtual underground garage. When there, dial the Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. The Freedom Line, 734-239-3118. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. HMACLaw.com is your hookup. And you darn straight I endorse this announcement. <laughs> Let me tell you this, Jay Love. And in order to give people opportunity to write down this important information, excuse me for about 15, 20 seconds while I do the boogaloo. Okay. <laughs> okay that's enough time okay. so, Love, I want you to know that I love you and this announcement is brought to you by Dr. Hugo J. Mack Esquire the one true <laughs> king of Russia, Scotland and Harlem I love you I love you turning back Thank you. We need to we need to laugh, you guys. Yes. Laughter is healing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jay Love, Jay Love. I know I know to be pressure every week. Please don't kick me off, Jay Love. Please no. <laughs> I know, Jay Love. You brave. You don't you, you don't ever say the pressure you under, but I can feel it, Jay Love. I can feel it. <laughs> yes, attorney man. <laughs> so you guys. We're all here. Uh, Trisha probably pop in later. So um, let's talk about Avery, uh, Shamar Avery. Um, first of all, let me put his picture up because I want everyone to see him because you guys might see him in a movie. Um, I know he's been on um, these movies on... Um, McGraw Street that's showing on um, Amazon Prime, um, The Mule, 
5-0, buffed up. He's do, he does a lot of local movies and here that's being that's getting a lot of attention. And so people may know him from those spaces. But also Shamar Avery was wrongfully um, convicted of a crime he didn't do. He spent eight years in the Michigan Department of Corrections for a murder um, that he didn't commit at the eyewitness testimony, falsely identified him at the scene of a crime. The state um, also refused him of his compensation. He was exonerated in 2010. Um, Shamar, unfortunately, he had to be on a flight during this time. So he won't be in it uh, with us tonight, but it's okay because we can, he will be on live with us next Friday and we can um, discuss um, his story and lay it all out for next week. So we're going to keep it going. But I want to, I do have a uh, YouTube clip of Shamar um, discussing his wrongful conviction. So I'm going to add that to the screen and I'm playing back right now. And then we're going to go in and out of that YouTube clip uh, and discuss him and the reason why we came on tonight, or I started, well, I'm going to talk about that first. The reason why I came on, because someone sent me, he had a recent case. Did you guys get a chance to read it? He had a recent case that came up where he was trying to get his uh, WICA. And WICA is the Wrongful Imprisonment Compensation Act. And uh, Michigan, which provides um, that a prisoner wrongfully convicted and in prison, the court shall award $50,000 for each year from the date the plaintiff was in prison until the date the plaintiff was released from prison, regardless of whether the plaintiff was released from imprisonment on parole or because the maximum sentence was served. So he was um, just recently, um, um, the case came up about him um, trying to get his um, weaker, weaker conversation. And, and after I read that, um, I wanted to know more about him because I, I couldn't understand, you know, how this happened to him. And so I'm going to now play some of the video clip about him. Um, add it to the stream. Shamar Avery. Uh, yep, I was wrongfully, wrongly convicted here in Michigan. I did eight and a half years for a murder that I didn't commit. And the truth came out, I'm home. I'm happy. So, Dorio, uh, how old were you when you were wrongly convicted? I was 17, 18 years old. I turned 18 uh, fighting a uh, case. And were you put... Um, when they, okay, so when you were wrongly convicted for a crime, how did it go so left where you was involved or got committed into this? Well, uh, it was a white kid in our neighborhood that got killed. And, um, they was randomly just locking all everyone, everybody up on our block. And uh, it was pretty much, yeah, they had a, had a couple of us in the room at, at one time. One, they tricked one guy to sign a statement 
implicating us, uh, implicating us in it. They coerced him into signing a statement, which led to them charging three of us and convicting three of us uh, for the crime. And it's one guy still in there. The other, he finished his 17 and a half year uh, sentence on. Well, he was still convicted, but I know he's wrong. He's wrong for convicted. And uh, through God's grace, I was able to learn a little bit about the law, learn how to help my lawyers with fighting my appeal, and I was able to get a case back. So when your case first started, they didn't, like, how was it that they missed something? Like, it wasn't nothing they missed. I mean, they, they lied. It wasn't nothing they missed. They, they lied. They created a case. They knew they didn't have a case. I wasn't wrongfully convicted because they accidentally, like, made a mistake. And, no, they literally lied. The lady, and they made the lady come and point us out just to fix the situation. They created a story. And they lied. So, as a, because basically 17 is still no, I'm not about to stay. You no, yeah, you adult. Well, because you was 18, right. you say you were 17, and then you turned 18. Or, but do they, was they like still juvenile? Well, here in Michigan, it, 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 in, in the commission of a felony, you get charged as an adult. So, uh, we, it, it, yeah, in Michigan, you were an adult. It was 13, 14 year old kids in the prison where I was at, serving life in prison. So, what were you actually charged with? Murder. And what was that? Felony, well, it was felony murder because it happened in the commission of they they was robbing the guy when they when they killed him. So it was felony murder. Okay, what was that? Uh, what sentence was you getting now? Twenty to fifty years for second degree murder. Twenty to fifty. Twenty to fifty years, and you. So when you first went in to steal, thanks. Still, basically, you still a kid mindset. Uh, so when they put you. It wasn't juvenile center. You went straight to adult prison? Yeah, well, uh, no, I went to juvenile prison. I went to adult jail, yeah. I was in regular adult jail, uh, county jail. Then we went from, I went from the county jail, and I went to juvenile uh, prison. Quarantine part was juvenile. Uh, yeah, my first, my initial, uh, my initial, I guess, approach to prison was juvenile, yeah, because I went to juvenile uh um quarantine and then juvenile uh prison at first which was a private facility then they sent me to mdoc which was the thought prison when i turned 20. so what was that mindset at that guilty charge like when you first so i wanted to come back in right quick because shamar said he went to a juvenile private prison before he was put into the Michigan Department of Corrections. Mm -hmm. And so when I just talked with him on that day, this was in 2000, he told me he went to this prison called Wackenhut. And it was a prison that was built in Michigan in 1999. And what they did was, um, it was for juvenile. Ashley, um, juveniles, and actually, um, Reverend T and I was talking about this on yesterday, and the prison goal was to uh, uh, house super predators, mm -hmm. uh, or that they considered teens and juveniles that were super predators, and so 
they opened this prison for profit. The state paid a lot of money. I think it was like 18 million or something a year. It was something crazy that they paid for this for this place and for these juveniles. No, I think it was like five. I think they had rented it or whatever. But now this same facility is still in Michigan. It has changed hands. Wacken Hut had to close down because of abuse. Abuse, yes. These kids were killing themselves in there. <laughs> they at an alarming rate. Alarming. Yes. yes. They were committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And they end up shutting it down. And then they opened it back up as a prison. And the state of Vermont was renting it out. <laughs> and so we had prisoners in Michigan that was in this private prison that was from Vermont and California. And then it shut down again. And now it recently opened back up a couple of years ago. And it has now um, criminals that they consider uh, immigrants, criminals um, that's housing it in this community in Baldwin. Is it Baldwin, Michigan? It's in Baldwin, Michigan. It's, it's a, you know, and they continue to profit under up for, for housing people as prisoners. And so, and you know, I keep telling people, a friend of mine had told me um, years back when I was having a, an angry conversation, and he said, why are, you, why are you so upset? It's just a business. And I, I said, a, a business at whose expense? At whose expense? And so, yeah, Jay, I'm going to let you keep going because, you know, people don't understand how the game goes in corporate America as long as you can change the name. Yes, we're talking about Baldwin. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. And and then we forget, people forget about the abuse that has happened, forget about the people who have been wrongly convicted. Forget about the, the families that have been destroyed, the fathers that are behind, fathers and mothers behind bars. So somebody can get paid. Yes. Right. And, and J-Love, if I could just interject this one thing, you can tell a lot about people's feelings about a situation by little nicknames and stuff they give it. You know, they call that the punk prison. Yeah, I saw that. They called it the punk prison. You see what I'm saying? That that really tells you all you need to know about the mindset and spirituality. But everything spiritual is not good, by the way. And mm -hmm. spirituality behind this whole thing, the punk prison. Mm -hmm. See, mm -hmm. that's that's along the line of former Governor Engler. And I and you know, and Coleman Young, I love you for a lot of things, but you was wrong, Coleman. You was wrong getting in that who's uh whose manhood was longer yours or Jim Blanchard's and then saying, skip you, Jim Blanchard. I'm not, I'm not supporting you. And Angler won that election against Blanchard fewer than 10,000 votes, fewer than 10,000 yeah. votes. Okay. And yeah. because of that, we've had this spiral downward, downward. Uh, uh, Angler is the one that famous said, I would stack them like hardwood if I could. I don't care That's about uh, I don't care about a pole barn 
being better. And I know there's a personal experience having a cubicle supposed to be for four people, make it eight people, right. put mm-hmm. them bunk beds in there. I don't give a damn. Put them mm-hmm. bunk beds in there, stack them. See, mm-hmm. this is a result. Mm-hmm. This is a result mm-hmm. when we get our egos and our emotions in to try to prove a point to somebody else that I'm just mm-hmm. as powerful as you. And I'm not just all blaming Coleman. I'm, I'm not just saying that, but I'm right. just saying it's a consequence when we can stop some of this. And by the way, by the way, they will keep on corporatizing and making money on that with putting in people there. And, you know, I, I, I'm eager for us to talk about eyewitness identification with this young man's case because it's something I want to explain. But but yeah, and and, and you're right. And, and to Reverend Tia, I'm so glad you spoke up to whoever that was you was talking to. It's just a business. Well, I guess slavery was just a business too then. Yeah. You know, it's just a business. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So this prison, as we was looking it up and discussing it after I was talking to um, Shamar, he was telling me about this place uh, where they had all these kids in and these prosecutors who... Uh, and I think Kim Wardy was in the prosecutor office. She wasn't in charge of the prosecutor office at that time, but she was part of it. And they was push, pushing these kids out there. And um, these kids, from what I've been reading about it, because this lady did uh, um, research mm-hmm. on this place, mm-hmm. they were putting not only, they was trying to fill it up. So it was made for the super predators, but they was pushing all kinds of kids in that place. Um, they was pushing all these kids in this place that just did even minor little things. They was put filling this place up because it was all about the profits and the money. Mm-hmm. So this was, it was built in 1999. It opened in 2000 and they started this thing. And I think like 2001, two or three, these kids were literally trying to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So eventually, because of what the abuse, um, them um, doing all kinds of things, they end up closing it. And that's, you know, a lot of them start getting pushed into the Michigan Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to uh, Shamar's story. Okay. Cause I know you went into the whole thing and you know, if they have no, so when you found out when you heard the verdict that guilty, what was going through your mind at the time? Man, I didn't even, I didn't know what to expect really. Uh, I just knew that I didn't do what they kept, what they had me in that courtroom saying I did. And at that moment, <clears throat> Did nothing. I was I was kind of numb. I did not because I I ain't gonna lie. It didn't sink in to really years. Like after I was into the situation, it, it still hadn't sunk in. Like I still thought I was gonna wake up and still be at home. But day after day, yeah, it, it, you ain't going home. But it, I really I can't really say where where my mindset was because it was it, it was one of the heaviest situations I ever been in. I was really lost. I was more worried about. My family. I was more worried about those around me. I really didn't even really. I still didn't really take in how serious the situation was. Like I said, until I was damn near like years in, and I 
and I and sometimes I, I just try my best to stay optimistic, like my grandmother always taught me. And I tried because I, I got lost in like read, and I got lost in trying to keep optimistic mindset going on. That eventually the truth gonna come out, and I'm gonna come home. So. So when did you start to actually say, "Hey, let me pick up a law book and fight for my case"? Instantly. Instantly, when I, when I when that bar is closed, and I knew I should, I, I wanted to go home. That like just go home and use the bathroom. Instantly, like when I instantly when the detective was asking me what I did, and I just kept telling the detective in layman terms, I didn't do nothing. And at that point, instantly, I needed to know some type of law, and I, I ain't had no money for no lawyer, and I didn't know nothing, nobody who did. So, so you knew you had to learn basically for yourself, for sure, and and you are and. Instantly, you meet people in there, in jail. Like, like I said, even in the county jail, it's like people before you are going through this. So you got, and it's like you all right. People will teach you a lot of things. You and even being in, in that situation, you'll meet a lot of people. Like instantly, as soon as I got in there, I instantly met people that that was studying law and like trying to stay away from a lot of the chaos. So because as you're dealing with a lot of a lot of people that's violent, volatile, you, and you're on a rock with 10, 11 people that's fighting murders as well as you. And everybody got something going on every day. So it ain't just all about what's going on with your situation. It's people around here that's moving in a mindset that even if you make don't make it home from the situation you're going to, this nigga may kill you about whatever his situation is. So a lot of that kept me focused on what I had to stay focused on to get that key to get this door back open because it wasn't coming from nowhere else. But uh, like, like I said, because I know 17, 18 is young, and as they put you in there with actual murders. So when you first entered to actual prison and you still couldn't baffle the fact that you were wrongly convicted, but you had to go into survival mode, of course. Mm -hmm. So how was it actually that that bus ride that you realized like, hey, this this is really real. I'm not, it ain't the ride home I thought I was gonna get. Now I'm in here with tons of people I don't know, tons of people I don't trust. Cause at this point, I know your trust gotta be a little bit broken. I mean, it's just, it's just like you just said, you just said it in, all in a nutshell, survival mode. At, like, at, at some point, it, 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 it's, it kicks in, regardless. And as a culture, I think we pick up that just on, at a natural instinct, just culturally. So you adapt. I mean, it, I, I got to adapt. And, and you got to adapt the best way you can to stay sane. What was the hardest part? The hardest part? The hardest part, uh, family, being, being detached from, from what you know and what you, and, and what you're accustomed to. Cause life itself is, is about to change. It change. It, it ain't, it, everything is different. It, like I said, you're around a, a bunch of volatile people. You're, you're, you're not, you're not in, you ain't at church. You ain't at in the backyard at the school playground with a bunch of people that yes, want to, that right. You're there with a lot of people that were sent there for a for, for making decisions in their life and they got to live with it. So, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of people that has a lot of testosterone built up and shit, niggas angry. So, you got to, like I said, you got, you said it perfectly. You got to learn how to survive the, and the best way you can. And you got to stay focused. You got to know, like I said, my main focus was 
find a key to get that door back open by any means, whether it was in a book or whether it was just wherever I had to get that information from, I was looking for that information. Yeah. Ravatia. You know that that um it it's so when you hear the story and his is not the only story. And and I know we've heard many stories, which is sad that we keep hearing the same kinds of story. But I, I think what's more important that we understand the type of people that they choose to incarcerate. And each one says, I did not have a lawyer. I didn't have enough money to pay for anybody to fight for me. And he said, I didn't even know anyone with enough money to help me. Mm -hmm. You know, the wrongfully convicted begins with poverty. Mm -hmm. It begins with an economic disadvantage. Because poverty to me is a state of mind. I don't care how much money you have. Some people can be affluently, you know, with, with a whole bunch of dollars, but as far as their mindset, as far as their humanity, level of humanity and their mental capabilities can be at such a deficit that they have a poverty mind. And, and I want people to understand that poverty mind too is if you think you are always needing to have to get one up on somebody because that's a lack mentality. It means you don't have enough. You think you don't have enough. And so you can't share. And that's why we're in this predicament. Because we have people at the top with a lack mentality. So no matter how much they have, it's still never enough. And there still is slavery. It's still slavery is still the key to operating wealth in the mm -hmm. United States. Mm -hmm. And so also and we have to um, look at what was going on during this time in the 1990. 1994 was when um, Bill Clinton um, enacted the crime bill and they put a hundred, they, they wanted to put hundreds of thousands of police officers on the street. Yep. And so they was doing all of this, these um, cities and states were getting money for this. They were getting uh, paid uh, uh, all kinds of government funding to get these police officers to build these prisons, to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they was literally snatching these kids off the street at this time because of this super predator, super predator narrative that they were they had going on. Yeah. And so this Shamar, he... He got caught up in that. He was picked up. Uh, they built up this story. And uh, this eyewitness who in the beginning, we're going to get into that story now, Attorney Matt. The eyewitness who in the beginning, she didn't pick him out. Mm -mm. But later on, she picked him out. Or she said it was him. And we know from previous um, uh, videos that we have done, uh, last year or the year before, 
that misidentification, eyewitness identification is one of the number one Mm -hmm. reasons for wrongful convictions. Go ahead, Attorney Mack. Look, I'm just nodding my head because you you said it all, J-Love, you know, you you said it all. And, you know, one thing as an attorney that always has been a mountain for me to climb is how readily jurors are willing to believe somebody who says, because the prosecutor leads them down a common path, uh, what happened, blah, 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 blah. Do you see the person involved in this courtroom? Yes, I do. Will you please point them out to the jury and say what they are wearing? There he is, sitting right there next to the defense attorney. The person sitting between the defense attorney and the duck. So, you know, so that's 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 him. That's him or that's her. And, you know, J-Love mm-hmm. and Reverend T, I know I'm preaching the choir here, mm-hmm. but I cannot tell you how many times I've seen screwed up cases where somebody is so willing to come in and say that's them. That's them. You know, mm-hmm. and the system. Even a well-intentioned person, by the way, a well-intentioned person, particularly black mm-hmm. people. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Reverend yeah. said something one time, all black people are on the spectrum. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because, and, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, we, we are because of what has happened to us and what continues right. to happen to us. We would not be mm-hmm. human if we were not affected by white supremacy and That's racism. Right. We right. would not be human. So to try to right. say that, we don't have any uh, social issues, any mental health issues, any physical health issues because of slavery. Mm-hmm. It's just a lie. I mean, I look, I evaluate right. myself, myself. I signed up to defend the Constitution. I yes, signed yes, up yes. to defend the laws of the state of Michigan. No one good mm-hmm. and dang on well. Them laws wasn't written for me. Right. You know, so right. anyway, anyway. Right. Before the evening is out, y'all gonna end up being my therapist. So, so, <laughs> so, 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 you know, J Love, and one thing, and I want to say this to all black people, I hope you all are listening, and white people of good conscience. We have been so programmed to fit in. Nobody in the history of this nation has been more obliging and sacrificing to fill in, to fit in than black people. We seem we always need to prove ourselves to be worthy of being at somebody else's table. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You know what I'm saying? The greatest example I see is on the U.S. Supreme Court. The whitest, most conservative member on the Supreme Court is a man that is black as a mailbox. And what <laughs> I'm telling you is, is that that is so unfortunate, so unfortunate. You got this man coming down with rulings where John Roberts, the leader, I'm saying, damn, Clarence, don't do it like that. You know, so, <laughs> so, 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 so anyway, and part of it is, J-Love, with, with, with this thing about eyewitness, particularly with black on black crime, when the system comes in and say, OK, Mr. Mack or OK, Miss Love, or, OK, Miss, uh, uh, you know, little John. Now, we got some people here. We automatically feel we need to please somebody. These people that took their time to bring these people up in here in this lineup, these police officers, I've got to do my part. I've got to say somebody is in there. Otherwise, it looks like I'm the one that's the odd person out. And mm-hmm. I run into it time and time and time again. So yeah. part of it is us, J-Love. It, it, it is. It is. Where we need to stop being so afraid to say, you know what? I'm not sure. I, 
it, it might be it, it kind of looks like that person um well 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 look look hard now look look real hard see once a person says i'm not sure that ought to be it right but time and time again i, I don't mean to filibuster here I'm, I'm i'm finna shut up time and time again i cannot tell you the thousands of cases i've had where i said now wait a minute now uh sergeant jones but didn't the uh alleged victim initially say that they weren't sure well well, yes, but but they were re-interviewed again, and then they said, "Oh, okay." When y'all had time to put that psychological pressure on them, and 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 oh, okay, thank you. So the brain science it, it, it lets us know that when you end these kind of uh, Is it me? It froze up. Is it me? Um, situation. We're back. I don't know. We're back. Mm -hmm. So you can't say that that's the person, you know, uh, it, it, you get it wrong. It's been documented. How often that people get it wrong? You, you, it's not a hundred percent. Your brain is not like a camera. You don't record stuff. <laughs> And it comes out and you can play it again. Right. You know, you're in a panic mode. And and this same thing, when we talk about Gerard's case, it was an eyewitness who said that this is the person. But all the, the things that happened to the person, how could the person even testimony be reliable if you're getting hit in the head and you, if you're trying to run away? You know what I'm saying? So this happens so often. And that is why it's one of the number one reasons why people are wrongfully convicted, especially those without DNA. So when you have these cases where there is no DNA has to do with it, most likely it's some eyewitness misidentification, some misconduct going on. It's something, a whole story being made up. There's some corruption going on to put these people inside these prisons. And these informants, Jay Love, I'm, I'm going to just say this real quick. Uh, one thing I deal with all the time is what they call confidential informants, okay? And these are people that are under tremendous pressure to bring somebody to the attention of the police in order to save their own situation, okay? And if that means somebody is mentally ill or, or emotionally challenged, they can't really stand up for themselves, well, let's say, well, Pookie, he was in the area. Yeah, that's him. He did it. Pookie may not be able to defend himself emotionally or psychologically, and damn sure not financially. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. see, and 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 there you go again. You know, so uh, everything you're saying is is correct, J Love. You too, Reverend Tia. You know it. You know. And um, Prison Nation, he strongly recommended um, Locking Up Our Own. And we use that book a lot on this show. That book, Locking Up Our Own, Punishment in Black America by James Foreman Jr., it discussed this time, um, the 2000s, 99, during that era, where all these Black judges, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Black attorneys, they were all, you know, into this, locking these kids up, giving them long sentences. That's why they had so many juvenile lifers. Shamar was a juvenile lifer. They had a lot of them 
that later on down the line, what was that 2012 attorney, Matt, where they said it was unconstitutional mm-hmm. for all these kids to be given life sentence. That's right. Have, have to go back and review all them sentences. That's right. That's right. But, but you know, Jay love, you've got certain prosecutors, like maybe one to the East of Washtenaw County. <laughs> okay. Uh, they will have those hearings and they say, so, so, Mm-hmm. We don't have this psychological hearing. Ain't no reason to change nothing. You know, and see, so when you got that kind of added, because, you know, a lot of people think that a person that was sentenced to life as a juvenile, then all those sentences are going to be vacated. That's not true. That's mm-hmm. not true. They've got to have a hearing on on the brain development and, and all that sort of stuff. But the judge can still say, OK, I don't heard everything uh, sentence as it is. And mm-hmm. you know, and but 99% of the time, and Jayla, we might have done a show on this a while back, showing the uh the counties where people had been, you know, the prosecutor said, Well, okay, there should be a reduction, you know, mm-hmm. time served or or something like that. But if my memory certainly right, Wayne County was one of them counties where they was bucking that, you yeah, know, they, they were bucking all that, you know. They're still fighting right now for juveniles that was given life sentences. That's still locked up. That supposedly at that time, uh, uh, to that was going to. Re- I think Edward was part of those juvenile lifers that was released. But um, there's some that's still in there that they're just refusing to look at the cases. You know, it's Ken Worthy. Uh, refusing to look at those cases or give these people another chance, and so they're still trying to fight it because it's been what, 2012 or 2016 since this is all happening and they still are looking at it. So, but in this period of time and when you don't do nothing, history repeats itself. And so it's happening again, low key. You know, they are locking up a lot of teens now. They're giving them long sentences. They're, if you look at it every day, these kids, even the, the with the case with the six-year-old boy, that they decided not to charge him. Um, they're giving these kids a lot of time, you know, these pranks they're doing, calling in and whatever. And I know that people are, yes, you shouldn't be calling in bomb threats. I agree. But should you give kids 20 years? Wow. I hear you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they get 20 years for that. Wow. At, 13 years old at 12 years old at 14 years old. Wow. Yeah. So we have to pay attention because history always repeats itself. Go on, Reverend Tia. Yeah, because you know what? We keep these people employed. Um, and I did say that, you know, the, the only client for the pr- prison industry is the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have to go, you know, all you people that got these businesses out here and you going up putting all these TikToks and and Instagrams and doing all this showcasing, trying to get clients and everything, and you're doing all this kind of advertising. They don't even have to advertise. And they get paid mm-hmm. by taxpayers. We have employed people to persecute us. Make that make sense. Nationally, Michigan has the highest number of juvenile lifers still in prison had the second highest number of juvenile lifers among the states at the time of of that Supreme Court ruling to get to outlaw it. Many states have outlawed juvenile lifers. 
but not us. Not in Michigan. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And 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 you know, Reverend. You know, it's amazing. I like how Attorney Max said, you know, we 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 are the people. We're not we're not coming after you. It's amazing how Shamar and other people who have been wrongfully convicted have not lost their minds. Many have. Many have killed themselves. Many, many have even stated, I will kill myself before I go back in there. That's true. That's and, true. And, and it's sad because, because there's no retaliation. They haven't said, I'm coming to get you because you lied. That's amazing to me. That's right. No. I will find you because I did so many years. They, they haven't said that. Right. Right. That is a miracle. It, 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 it That's is. a miracle. And, and you, you know, Reverend Teal, your words touch my heart because, you know, the thing of it is, both of you know, the Michigan legislature and the Senate and the governorship are all controlled by Democrats now. First time in like 50 years that that, that has happened. And they're passing, eliminating right to work, good, which means really right not to work. And be compensated okay that's good that's good and the governor gonna sign that that's good that's good but you know what all that's well and good for the rank and file people but i still do not see something addressing poor people see mm -hmm. i'm still waiting for the democrats to put forth and this is a pet peeve of mine jay love you know I, I i'm not patting myself on the back you know say a pat on the back is only about six or seven inches higher than a kick in the ass, excuse me. So, so, so all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, why don't we have anybody pushing, let us restore good time, disciplinary credits, let's give people incentives to get out of the penitentiary and join back to be taxpayers, homeowners, members of society. And these people who harped on this thing about, cause some of them, and it's terrible, it's terrible, some of them people 20, 25 years ago, whatever, was killed by somebody who got out. Them people could have been killed anyway. See, we we, we got to stop letting people control the narrative. Mm -hmm. Well, if he hadn't got out early, so-and-so would be alive. We don't know that, J-Love. We don't, right. I mean, and, and, and even if that's true, even if that's true. So what is the solution? Don't let nobody out? What about the 40,000 people a year that's killed automobile accidents? Okay. Do you hear anybody saying, you know what? We don't need to have no cars. See? See, right. we don't need to have no cars. <laughs> so we're gonna go back to the horse and buggy. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> that's, that's right. So so and I guess Jay Love, part of me that I feel so visceral about it is, is that I think black people and people of conscience, we need to stop letting other people control the narrative. Okay. Exactly. Letting them frame it's a you know, every every white supremacists in the legislature uh congress will say look at chicago look 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 them, them gun laws don't work look look at all them black people killing each other as if you give a damn as if you give a damn about any of them people in chicago you don't care and by the mm -hmm. way my, my final plug lori lightfoot got her butt kicked in that in that democrat primary got her That's butt cool. kicked Royally, royally. Okay, mm -hmm. and I'm, 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 I'm warn you. I'm warn you now. They got two people running now. Uh, the one guy who believes in 
reinvesting money into the community to mental illness, you know, and, and after school programs, other guys saying to hell with y'all. I got a solution for this. We're going to flood the street with police. Head cracking time is here. And I'm calling it right now, J-Love. This will be one of the closest elections for mayor in the city of Chicago. Okay? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry, J-Love. <laughs> no, you're good, uh, Attorney Matt. And, and we need to pay attention because history repeats itself. That's right. right. And, (laughs) you know, people, uh, they'll start back doing the same thing they were doing years ago. And because we are sitting back and waiting for somebody else to save us instead of taking initiative for ourselves, uh, how we can save our communities, how we can change the narratives. We can't wait for the ones who are creating the problem to fix the problem. That's That's insanity. We have to. We're the ones who are a part of this problem and we're living a problem. And so we have to come up with our own solutions for, you know, what's um, going on in our communities. And so, you know, that's why I wanted to talk about this story, because at this time there was running this narrative about the super predators. Right. They were talking about the communities were so bad from the crack. Where did crack come from? We wasn't flying planes over there getting the cocaine. You know what I'm saying? Everybody got a, uh, away with all of this stuff that was happening in our communities. Why were sure. people self-medicating themselves? Why were people self-medicating themselves? Right. Because right. all the things that was going on in the community or the lack of things that was going on in the community. That's right. That's right. But the laws was brought down on the, the people who was less likely to fight, who, who were in poverty who were medicating themselves just to get past the pain of what's been going on. You know, the seventies, wait a minute, it was the 2000s. So during this times between 70 and 2000, that 30 year stretch, the communities, people were, you know, were falling apart and deteriorating. Why? You know, so our solutions were, were based off and we were listening to this narrative and we was allowing these people to come in our communities and basically kidnap our children. That's right. In these spaces. That's right. And let us not forget, J-Love, the complicity of black people in profiteering from us. OK, let's mm-hmm. not forget, you know, I've seen the movie New Jack City about a zillion times. So true. So, so true. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, complicit along with the white man. And I say the white man, I say that kind of with the with the power structure, not all white people. Now, don't don't be bombarding J-Love with emails. <laughs> oh, he's a racist. You got to get him off, J-Love. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying white people in general. I'm talking about the, the white power structure that is profiteering with these drugs and guns, I might add. I might mm-hmm. add, you mm-hmm. know, and, and stuff. And then us selling out our own people just for that monetary thing. You know, J-Love, and I, please, please please forgive me. I was seeing a documentary on Muhammad Ali when he was trying to regain his, his, you know, he was stripped of his license, right? Well, he Mm -hmm. fought in Atlanta, Georgia, a white guy named Jerry Corey, okay? And and Jerry Corey said, well, okay, Hugo, what does that mean about anything? They glorified all the pimps, the hustlers, that was showing up to that fight in Atlanta because Atlanta's supposed to be this black Mecca, you know, this 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 Atlantis for black people there. 
and, mm-hmm. and glorifying them like said, well, I've never seen a full length mink coat before. And this, I said, but don't you know where that money came from? I mean, don't you don't you understand, you know? And so so we we continue to glorify those kinds of things that are staining us. And we still suffering from it today. We, 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 we are, you know, uh, and I'm ashamed. I'm some of them are my clients. <laughs> Matter of fact, a lot of them are my clients. Okay. But I don't condone what they're doing. You know, I have to defend their rights under the constitution. Right. So, you know, Jay love, I know y'all probably say, well, Hugo, why you keep talking about us? It's not just us. I'm not saying it's just us, but we got to be brave enough to point them people amongst us that are doing wrong and call them out. We, we, right. we got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, Attorney Matt, because if we we can't expect for somebody else to clean us up if we're not willing and open right. to clean up our own mess. <laughs> it's us, too. You know what I'm saying? It's just not somebody else. It, we have to take responsibility for what's going on in our homes and our community. Uh, I see Bueller say the unpleasant truth is amongst us. Yes, it is. It's an unpleasant, uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be said. And and so we can help ourselves to make better choices for our babies that's coming on behind us. If we don't do it, you know, they're already trying to erase our history. But if we are not engaged in our history, they're going to erase our history because we're not engaged in it. We don't find what's important about it. Because we are oblivious to everything that's going on. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you know what, Jay? I'm glad you said that because the history happens in your home. You teach history at home. That's right. I'm not going to wait for my child to go to school for somebody to teach them who doesn't even know, Mm -hmm. who's not even my color. This is what's mind boggling to me is, is people in our community are looking to get knowledge from people who originally got knowledge from our ancestors. Help me, somebody. Mm-hmm. Help me with this information. Help me understand. Right, right. That's right. No, your child ought to be going to school with their fists up in the air. They should go to school with questions to the teacher. So make the teacher go back and do their history. That's right. Check their work. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, look, my son went to school. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just prayed. I didn't know he was going to go and try to convert everybody (laughs) to the truth. (laughs) So when you have your five-year-old go to school and the teacher is trying to talk about Christopher Columbus and he raises his hand and he says, we don't celebrate that day at our house. And she said, well, why don't you celebrate Christopher Columbus? And he said, well, because if you celebrate Christopher Columbus, you're celebrating slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, he, I got a side eye when I picked him up that day. I was wondering, <laughs> well, what, what has Joshua said? Oh, my goodness. You know, but, but it was true. I did teach them that, taught them the truth. So as they get older, they didn't have to question who they were. Yes. See, children are questioning who they are because they didn't learn at home. I learned at home from my mother, from my grandmother. But what are you teaching? Right. That's going to sustain their identity. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I know uh, Beulah said my parents were from Alabama. Mine's too. And my dad was from Alabama. And he told us about the South. He told us these stories. You know, even, even the union, my parents were union members. And so they told us union stories. And so when I became a union member, I was an advocate, you know, because of mm -hmm. the, the things that my parents had told me. And so I was able to stand up and, you know, be strong in unionism. And so if we're not telling these stories, these stories die. You know, it reminds me of Alice Haley, the story of Roots, and how all these, the ancestors told the story. That's right. And it, it kept going down until it got to Alice Haley and that he wrote out the story. And so it kept the family history going. And it yeah. gives you a sense of knowing who you are. And if yeah. you don't know who you are, you will get caught up in all the crazy because you're disconnected from the truth. Right. right. So we have to, mm -hmm. instead of depending on somebody else to tell us who we are, <laughs> we yeah. have to remind ourselves and teach our kids and our family members about who we are. So yeah. when we have these conversations with our kids they understand about these systems that are built against you not to help you but to <laughs> against you and so you have to be strong and you have this knowledge and you can push forward and we won't have these conversations about our kids running around with guns because they love themselves so much that they can love others and we're not going to kill each other you know we're going to help each right. other but if we're so disconnected from each other, that's what we do. We don't have no, no loyalty to one another. Go ahead yeah. and talk, Matt. Yeah. And, and, and Jay Love, you know, you are so right. And the thing about this is the way they've made this critical race theory, blown that up. You know, you know, you know, you know, you want you want to talk about the contributions of black people throughout the history of the country. Oh, that's critical race theory. You know, y'all, y'all dividing us. What? What? So, 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 but, but you see, J Love, you know, one thing I've realized is that while critical, uh, what, what they call critical race theory, which is really a, should be American history, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, team to present, you know, of course, yes, aside, I've come to realize this over the last several months, black people knowing about themselves is, is an off ramp. I've come to realize the people that are trying to make this a cultural issue about all oh, you can't teach about black people this and that the, the affecting black people is a secondary issue i've come to firmly believe these people do not want white kids to know the truth j love mm -hmm. they don't want white kids to know because they know that if they do know the truth and generations coming up these people these white supremacists are so afraid these white kids will change the system, J Love. Exactly. So, you know, exactly for me that I came to realize that because if they can keep the white kids in that same white culture, uh, this is the way it is. I'm used to seeing white men on the currency. I'm used to seeing whiteness all around me. I'm used to seeing that. Well, then that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not racist because I, I support white people's face on the currency i'm not racist because i support the way housing and 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 the end of affirmative action see because they're just raised into it so anyway uh 
white supremacists, white racists, all you uh, folks who need to be like them people in the desert for 40 years, go on and check out of here. Go on now. Go on, check out. You know, <laughs> I know Reverend T, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I know I'm wrong. But check out. Yeah, you know. Get out of Florida. Get, out, get the hell out of Florida. Them people don't love you. Get out of Florida. Mm -hmm. More and more white, white bread, Republican, day by day by day. So I don't know. Maybe Rosewood. Let's just build us Rosewood down in Miami. I don't know. So, mm -hmm. so, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, J. Love. That's it. No, you're fine. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. It, yeah, because it's 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 necessary to know that truth, you know. Um, and because at the root of it, at the root of all honesty, all honesty, and, and if we check our real history for global history, and if we check for the, des the desecration and the annihilation of indigenous people all over the world, you will see that all over the world were people of color. <laughs> if you did your history. Right. And that's why they don't want real history because then it's not pretty. Why why is it okay for other cultures to know who they are and not people of color? Because it's not a very good look. Mm -hmm. And and because we need to see we need to do this work. You know, they talk about doing the shadow work on an individual basis, looking at the ugly part of you, the part of you that's not so cute, the part of you that that uh, needs to be transformed. Well, there's a part of us as in the United States and all over the world that needs to be transformed. And it takes looking at this ugly part of what has happened throughout history all and right. the need to try to cover up the atrocities that have happened. That's right. And what right. you will find is a, a common thread of hatred and uh, fear mm -hmm. of not being in control by just a small group of people. That's right. It reminds me of the Wizard of Oz when at the end of the day, the wizard was this old man that had no power. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the true power is becoming revealed and that power rests with the people That's all it. day, every day. And it rests within our unity in how we love one another and want to be there for one another. We have to rise above this mm -hmm. and we do it by knowing the truth. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. The truth makes you free. It sets you free. It frees you. Yes. So, you know, back to, you know, as we was talking about Shamar, uh, he was exonerated in 2010. 2010, it wasn't fashionable then for exonerations. It, not like how it is now, you know. I think it was only maybe two people in Michigan who was exonerated that year. Was right. Him. And it was a lady who was falsely accused of uh, killing her baby at that time. And mm -hmm. they, both of them are still trying to, um, they're still fighting. the. And that's the other thing. 
<clears throat> they'll still fight Michigan for wrongfully convicting them. And that's what we wanted to touch on as well about how you still have to fight. Justice is still denied, even when you're wrongfully convicted. You know, justice is, continues to be denied. And in our conversation, he was talking about when they let him out, to, you know, when he was free, he wanted to go to college. He was a, a good student in school. He was uh, never been in trouble. So you put this, a kid who never been in trouble, a great student in school, and he wants to come home and go to school and better himself. They sent him to Michigan Works. You know, see, this is the system that we are, you know, we, we run behind these people and we say, hey, we need these, you know, we want to free our people. We want to, you know, create new legislation. And then when they finally do something for you, they, they don't set you up. They didn't stole 10 years of your life. And they don't give you anything. They don't give you any therapy. You know, we, we, me and him discussed that. They didn't offer him any therapy, you know, of him being in this situation as a teenager to a man. They didn't offer him to go to college. You know, they didn't offer him anything. Just, mm -hmm. hey, oops, we made a mistake. And then there's no accountability. And even today, as we see people come home, we see the lack of accountability. You know, we, uh, we are happy for those who are being released. But when does this cycle stops? It right. continues. It's just a continuation. We can't just be accepting of people coming home. We have to have to and mm -hmm. demand change so this doesn't continue. Mm -hmm. So you don't have someone, uh, Dion said, they don't even apologize. You're right, right Dion. They don't even apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah. That right. we made a mistake, right? Which he said wasn't mm -hmm. a mistake. They concocted a story because they was pushing all these kids in that private prison, right? And so, and then Attorney uh, Matt, wasn't it a case like a couple of years ago when this judge was just doing just that, mm -hmm. and um, he ends up being found guilty of putting all these kids, sentencing them to a yeah. prison? You, you know. You know, Jay Love, it doesn't ring a, a, a bell right off the bat, but that that fact pattern does not surprise me. And I'm Jay Love, mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. You see, because which is one reason I ran for Washington County prosecutor. People have got to, even if I don't care if it's a million to one odds, the fact that you're brave enough, and I'm not saying I'm brave, but the fact that somebody's brave enough to stand up and say, we got some problems here. And one thing I don't always agree with Reverend Al Sharpton. But he said, because he was somebody was calling heckling him on his show about him running for president. He said, you know what? If I don't run for president, none of the issues they were forced to address would have been addressed. See mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, 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 and I just talked about my own personal experience. No, I didn't get the most votes for prosecutor. But if I had not run, there would not have been the talk about restorative justice. There would not have been the in-depth talk about mental illness. There would not have been the in-depth talk about wrongful conviction. See, just like whoever said a, mm -hmm. a, a nasty little truth or, or some, some little byline somebody put on there uh, about what people don't want to hear, what, what, whatever was on there. The, the Uncomfortable truth. Uncomfortable truth. There, there we go. And see, you have to have people willing to bring out that uncomfortable truth, you mm -hmm. know. And so 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 for me, Jay love when when I look at judges doing that and, and I'm address your point. Part of the problem with these judges 
they think that courtroom is their property. In other words, when all these judges, if you notice, they say, in my courtroom, this is how it goes. And I, every time I just want to stand up and say, what you mean your courtroom? <laughs> you, you, you are a hired hand, madam or mister. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You probably don't even own that robe. I probably paid for that. You did pay for it. <laughs> so, so you know, so no, it's not your courtroom, it's the people's courtroom. Mm -hmm. And see, and, and so when these judges they know they're not going to get a pushback, especially if they're doing it to poor people who ain't got no money, no way, and 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 society. And and look, J, J Love, I'm sorry. I, I just got to be honest. Part of our problem as a people, as a people, we are too willing to sit back and see some other black people go down the tube and say, well, shouldn't have been out there. That's on them. You know, it ain't me. My family living well. They, you know, you know, you know, they did it. And see, we're so willing to stand by and see our own people go down. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and by the way, when we're standing in the crowd of the majority culture, okay, when we're standing in the crowd of white supremacy, we're ignorant enough to think that they accept us. You know, see, see, the, we don't understand we're in that crowd on a limited basis, not as an accepted equal, but just on a limited basis. OK, yes. we, we, there was a guy named Ward Connerly, a black guy from California, when they were trying to do away with affirmative action in a, in a, with a proposal to. OK, they brought this Negro, imported him from California to be the face of doing away with affirmative action. Mm -hmm. Had him up there with them white people skinning and grinning. And I said, you porch Negro, you silly, silly porch Negro. Don't you know, after they got proposal two, which eliminated affirmative action in, in public schools, don't you know they shipped that porch monkey back to California? Mm -hmm. He ain't never been seen or heard from in Michigan again. He, he served his purpose, J-Love. He mm -hmm. was the black face to buffer people like me who are trying to say it's racist to do away with affirmative uh, affirmative action? They put him up against me. Say you know that that uh, that that spook that agitator Hugo Mack. He wrong and Wardell Connolly. So they sick Wardell. <laughs> they sick him on me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> it's easy to do when we're disconnected with who we are, though. Right. <laughs> you know, we come up here with all these crazy talking points because we don't even know who we are. Right, that's right. So, okay, I'm never surprised. Uh, What's that saying? Our, our skin folks is not kin folks. Right. Yeah, that's right. Wow. We have some of them that, you know, just don't get it. And so, but we still have to do this work. Yeah, we still have to talk about it, and these, you know, even though it's uncomfortable, these wrongful convictions is happening at an alarming basis. They say two percent, yeah. and that's on the low end. Yeah, it, it's it's way more than that. Yeah, you know, no, it, it is. It, oh yes. Oh yeah. And the over yeah, in Michigan, where it's already known all over the United States that Michigan. It's one of the states that over sentence. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Notorious. Yeah. It is notorious. Yeah. I mean, and I, I was just going to say, 
that, you know, it, we have to look at, are we that used to people just taking our children and just doing what they want with our children? Are we, are we just accepting of that? Um, so not long ago, a mother, Michigan mother and her teen daughter, um, we're going up against the court system because the, the daughter spent 78 days in a juvenile court. And this goes along with what the attorney Max, Max said, because the judge ruled that she had violated probation because she did not complete her homework. Mm -hmm. I remember that case. Mm -hmm. I, re I actually and so, yeah, the, and the judge, well, who gave the judge that kind of authority? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. 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 But, but it continues to keep this kid in this system. That's right. It continues to, you know, keep her in there and keep her family in it, locked into it. That's right. That's so, right. you know, you can be doing everything you can and then just miss a homework assignment and you're going to get locked back up, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. to be and what would be amazing is if these people who, who did the you know, who were behind the wrongful convictions had to spend a, the amount of time that the person spent in prison. I bet you we have some different kind of rulings going on. Oh, right. yeah. Right. <laughs> Jay Love, did yeah. Mr. Avery ever get the um, any compensation from the state of Michigan? No, he just had a case on March the 2nd, and no. Okay. No, I mean, as a matter of fact, um, from what I gather, his case now that they ruled against this this year mm -hmm. is going to set precedence of other cases to come. It's going to make hard for other people behind him to get their wicker um, because of his case. They're going to have to now. It's like the Supreme Court, you know, thing where they, you know, you got to prove your You right. literally have to prove your innocence. And that Never, I mean, to me, his innocence was proven. They just don't want to pay because if they had to pay and compensate all of these people, they would do differently. Exactly. And then also but because we're not able to get them in their pockets. Exactly. Because they ran out of money at one time. They, uh, not too long ago, they ran out of money. So they had to, you know, get more money. And this that's just how many people who had they had to pay. And so with these, a lot of these wrongful convictions not being exonerated, but being, uh, what is it, Attorney Matt? Uh, um, um, okay, not an exoneration. Um, Are they dismissed with prejudice or? Uh, without prejudice. Without, without prejudice. prejudice. Yeah, yeah. So if you your case is dismissed without prejudice, then you're really not exonerated. And they can really no, refuse. No, That's right. They can refuse to give you the money. You know, <laughs> and you know, Jay Love, I'm so glad you said you saying that because that is so true. There's a difference mm -hmm. between being exonerated and having your case dismissed without prejudice. Okay. Right. A big, big, big difference. Okay. You know, an exoneree is supposed to be a person that has been liberated, Jay Love. Okay. Mm -hmm. But even with what I'm in here out of Wayne County, I'm curious about that. If if, if that really is happening. And I, I know people are happy to to get out of prison and have some dignity back to them. But 
I guess I don't fault them people for being happy and stuff. But for me, as a as an analyst, as a legal analyst looking at it, you know, I wonder if they know what they're really happy about. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, if if I know you're looking over my shoulder, I really don't know how free I am, uh, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, you know, you know. So, but anyway, anyway, you know. Because so, if any new evidence comes up. They can go right back, right, attorney? Yeah, 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 you know, and 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 stuff. And see, some of these situations have extremely long statute of limitations. I mean, I mean, murder. There is no statute of limitation on murder. Okay, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, I, I I would have to see a case, case by case. With with this young man, he he was fully exonerated. Is 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 is, is that what happened? Yes, um, he was exonerated. Okay. okay, so what happened was, uh, let's see, 20, 2007, um, he was, um, they ruled that he had ineffective legal counsel. Okay. And so because his counsel failed to track down his alibi witnesses, he didn't do anything. Okay. So they, at first they... Uh, disagree with it and said that 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 wasn't ineffective counsel that was just his strategy Uh and so they refused it and so in 2008 the u.s court of appeals from the sixth circuit upheld Mm -hmm. the decision and ordered Avery to be retrialed or released he was released on bond shortly thereafter pending a retrial they never retried this case they dismissed it the charges in 2010 Okay. 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 Well, well, okay. Well, him, it, it's over, J-Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all intents and purposes. And and, and I'm happy for him, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going to tell you how rare that is, uh, J-Love, in terms of getting a case reversed or looked at that uh, ineffective system of counsel. I'm telling you, that man is like one in a 10,000, what happened with him. Because mm-hmm. the courts are so pro to say trial strategy, it uh, even if it was error, the evidence was overwhelming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The courts, either through statute or court decision, you know, the courts can make law too, okay? Courts can make law too. Miranda writes, the, alleged, the, the, the Congress didn't write that. That mm-hmm. is Supreme Court law, okay? That's Supreme mm-hmm. Court law. So it's so next to impossible to get any case reversed on ineffective assistance of counsel, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so Mr. Adul said, he's on here. Hi, Mr. Adul. He said no court ever found him innocent or exonerated. He was, he got a new trial on ineffective assistance only. Um, he said that the charges was dismissed only. <laughs> Well, well, okay, okay, and so what I'm saying is the reason I feel that he is in great shape because time now starts working in his favor. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. for example, if there, he, he was convicted what in 2000 is is, mm-hmm. is that one? Okay, right. So it's what, 2010. He was. Okay. Uh, they dismissed the charges in 2010. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, so now we're we're a good almost 15 years out from 2010, J. Love. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so just the passage of time now starts working in his favor because mm-hmm. whatever witnesses said or whatever, then, 
you know, it, to me, it's over. To me, he's free, okay? Mm -hmm. But he's still got that specter of what possibilities. And by the way, uh, when Mr. Abdul, uh, what, what he just said there, it's 100% mm -hmm. correct. He was not exonerated in the sense that you, you've been found not guilty or you have proven that you are actually innocent. He, mm -hmm. It was never done. It's just he was never retried, Jayla. Mm -hmm. So right. the only thing that Mr. Avery has got going for him, and I'm not minimizing it, is the presumption of innocence. Yeah. Okay. And mm -hmm. and that and a a dollar fifty gets you a cup of coffee, I guess. Right. Yeah. But this how you know again, Attorney Matt. This is how they set it up to keep you in this cycle. Dismiss the charges. Uh, dismiss prejudice. With um, what is that? Um, without prejudice. Without prejudice and all this kind of stuff. Instead of saying, "Hey, this person actually didn't do the crime. He's exonerated." They're keeping this tail or this little tag on you. Of course they are. To keep you in this cycle, and also, and I, and this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. When they do these things, this is going to open up a can of worm to look into, well, why is this happening? It's going to expose all these people who've been doing these wrong things. Mm -hmm. And it's so if you don't, if you keep it where these people are, you're not saying they're innocent, they're kind of innocent or they're kind of released. It doesn't open up the door to see what really was happening to get these people inside these places. Right. Yeah. So, you know, even with uh, Mr. Avery's story, you know, um, it was a lot of corruption going on, you know, at that time. And that pay in that prison, Wacken Hut, that they was putting these kids in, it kind of, you know, mysteriously went away. Nobody wasn't talking about it, you know, hasn't talked about it in all these years until we started digging. We had to dig. Right. To find this information. Right. It wasn't like easy to come across, but right. they was putting, filling these kids, this little private prison up in Michigan with all these teenagers, you right. know, some of them that committed a murder, but a lot more that they just did little petty things. Right. Or, right. To, right. You know, for money. So. Right. 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 You talking about uh, exonerating these people. Now this opens up the conversation. Right. Right. And, and, and J-Love, can I just interject this one thing? Uh -huh. earlier, earlier this week, the, uh, it must have been Oakland County Circuit Court, dismissed the civil suit against those teachers and administrators at that high school, Oxford. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, under two words you know quite well, J-Love, qualified immunity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that judge made it real clear, you know, and Ben Johnson, I mean, I, I respect him, you know, he's one of them, one of them lawyers you see on TV. That, mm -hmm. that, look, look, that woman just told that, told, and that's told him, I don't give a damn how many commercials you got on. I'm, I'm dismissing this right now. Put that in your next commercial, sir. And so, 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 so and these are people white people with money, J-Love, with J-Love. Vin Johnson ain't no, ain't no street corner lawyer like myself, but not that he's better than me. So, so we just got different clientele. So, 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 so. Attorney Matt, that gives me hope that, that we can get rid of qualified immunity. Yeah. 
because <laughs> now, Jay Love, it is affecting people who do not look like you, me, and Tia. Okay. Yes. And they say, wait a minute, what the hell are you talking about? You know, oh, hell no. Hell no. What is this? See, so we done gained some allies, not because they wanted to. You know, you know, Jay Love, there's an old, I don't know if it's an African saying or not, says, when the rabbit screams, the fox comes running, but not to help. And mm -hmm. so, so what I'm saying is, these people that have been affected, they weren't really interested in helping us. <laughs> but now they done got put into themselves. And so something, something happened, J-Love. Something, something happened. When I saw that, Attorney Mac, because uh, then uh, he has a podcast. And so oh. on his podcast, he's been talking about qualified immunity, right? Okay, okay. And so I was like, yes. <laughs> we ain't going to have to work so hard. And so when that ruling came out, yeah. I was like, although I, I, I feel for these families, you know, sure, sure. but I'm telling you, that's going to open up the door. Yes, it is. Get rid yes. of this immunity in Michigan. Yes, it is. Because yes. now it's affecting a whole lot of people. That's not, that's not brown and black. Right. That's right. That's right. You know. And that, and guess what? They have a right to be mad. They have a right to be uh, upset. That's right. Because that whole, they did not protect them. They sent that kid back out there now. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they did. sent them back out there. Now, your kid would have been sent home. Not <laughs> <laughs> left that school without you. That's right. That's right. That's I'm right. telling you. As a matter of fact, the first day he probably drew, drew a gun, he probably would have been out to school. Oh, absolutely. 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 But he definitely, you wouldn't have left without him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I will say on that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm like, when they said that, I'm like, yes, we about to get rid of qualified immunity in Michigan. Mr. Abdul said to mention legislator can repeal qualified immunity is typically reserved to the legislator to repeal it. The courts apply it in cases involving neglects and against government officials. We have to show that they acted with reckless, deliberate indifference mm -hmm. to your health or safety. Yeah, well, so somebody coming in, killing a bunch of people with, 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 with a rifle. <laughs> When y'all knew or had reason to know, that seemed pretty reckless to me. Uh, exactly. But the judge didn't think so. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Woo. Woo. So, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Let's all join in together. Amen. To eliminate Amen. qualified immunity. And <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So, you guys, thank you for joining. Uh, Rev T, you had something to say? Oh, no, look, I was I was agreeing with everybody. I'm so glad to get rid of qualified immunity because it just affects so many people. But, you know, I was just thinking, like you always say, injustice for just one of us is uh, going to be injustice for all of us. And now mm -hmm. it's trickling down to the all of us. See, they're still connected. We are mm -hmm. still all connected. And, yeah. and if you are, no matter what color you are, if you are in the category of underserved, mm -hmm. no matter what color, no matter race, culture, whatever, if you are underserved in this United States, you 
are affected some mm -hmm. way, some form, somehow. Yes. Yes. We are all connected. Oxford, mm -hmm. Detroit, we all are one. That's right. <laughs> what happened to one of us could happen to all of us. That's right. That's right. So um, I got a few announcements before we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. First of all, next um next Saturday, join mm -hmm. J for and Survivor Speaks for the Wrongful Conviction Support Group. Um, you can go to Facebook for those who are listening. You can go to Facebook slash Survivor Speaks for more detail. You can get to uh, hit the QR code and it'll send you, you can take you to the link. You have to register for this event so you can get the information to join. It is a Zoom event, but you have to register. Mm -hmm. And also that same day, uh, the wrongful conviction task force is going to be on. And if I'm not mistaken, they're going to be talking about qualified immunity. She's going to have a yeah. special guest. So make sure you guys also um, connect with uh, Survivor Speaks to register for that. Mm -hmm. We also want to send support to uh, Susan Brown, who's going to be a guest on here. I can't wait. She's an awesome yeah. person. She's doing awesome things um, at uh, Huron, at um, the Women's Facility, Huron mm -hmm. Valley. The final push process for her clemency. Um, she's an awesome international artist. Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys to learn more how you can support Susan, you can uh, click on this, this link mm -hmm. or you can um, hit this QR code and it will take you exactly to uh, her page where you can get mm -hmm. information to support her. Also, we want to also ask you to donate to the Voice of Detroit. Miss Diane um, Buskiski was on here a few weeks ago, who has been writing about wrongful convictions over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And she has this digital um, platform where you can um, connect with her. And you can also um, see these stories about these wrongful convictions. Please support her. Um, you can go to www.voiceofdetroit.net to get more information mm -hmm. on that. And Saturday, this Saturday yeah. at 6 p.m. at 9, from 6 to 9, is Silent mm -hmm. Cry with our, our sister and friend of um, Turning a Moment to a Movement, Sawana Vaughn, is having mm -hmm. her a gala awards, is honoring the mothers of the criminal justice movements, change makers in the community and it's a fundraiser for daniel jones scholarship fund and harvesting hope so you can get you a ticket on eventbrite uh just put in silent cry inc gala awards and it, uh, mm -hmm. uh all the information will show up and you can purchase a ticket the ticket is only 25 dollars and it's there's going to be a meal serve and drinks so join us for that mm -hmm. and also Save the day. Yeah. Save the day for the love gathering. Um, this love gathering is inspired by Gerard. He, it would be um, at this time uh, a year after his transition. Mm -hmm. But we want to come together not only to celebrate life, but a day of love, fun, food, and self-care. 
Um, we do this work and sometimes this work is heavy, advocating mm -hmm. for our loved ones in this um, system, uh, even discussing it, coming on here, discussing it, it could get heavy for us. So we want to have a day where we come together for just some love, fun, food, self-care, honoring the life of Gerard and others. And um, as more information, as I get it, more details, I will be putting out more information. But for right now, save the date, June the 24th, 2023. Mm -hmm. Put Mark that on your calendar. We're going to all meet to, up together and just enjoy ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's it for today. Um, Attorney Matt, do you have something that you want to leave us with? Look here. I heard a man by the name of Malik El Shabazz commonly known as Malcolm X, say history mm -hmm. rewards the researcher, okay? And my message to all black people, Mr. and Mrs. America, ships at sea, all good people of culture and caring, do your mm -hmm. research, do your research. You know, yeah. we have so much we can learn from the past, so much from our ancestors. Do your research, you know, and you know, mm -hmm. you know You've got to learn. We have to learn to love ourselves more mm -hmm. than we hate ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Because for me yeah. to see some black person go to prison mm -hmm. and say, I'm glad it ain't me, you know, the end shouldn't have been in that stuff, whether I know mm -hmm. it or not, that's self-hate. Mm -hmm. That that is that that mm -hmm. that that, mm -hmm. that is self-hate. Okay, because yeah. I don't know, I don't know anything about that man sir, or woman circumstance. Mm -hmm. I don't know nothing about that. My thought and prayer should be, dear God, I pray that justice is involved in whatever this is, mm -hmm. whatever yes. this mm -hmm. is. So, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know why we as a people continue to default mm -hmm. to other people's judgment yeah. about us. I never could understand that. Even as a kid, I never could understand that, you know, mm -hmm. And and so for me, I look at my own self, how I was made to feel bad as a Boy Scout, okay, playing an Indian, putting on a Native American outfit, and the white kids laughing at me. And I'm closer to the Indian, the Native Americans, than any of them. Well, see, they made me feel bad. I'm the one who should have been laughing at them. They made me feel bad, you know? So, so And I'm saying that is a form of subtle self-hate. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, people... Learn to love yourselves more than you even think about hating yourselves. And if you do, you know, we'd be halfway there, J-Love. I really mean that, Reverend Tia. Mm -hmm. We would be mm -hmm. halfway to the promised land if we could take that step, you know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love yourself, Black, Brown, Indigenous, white peoples. Love yourself, you know. Right. And uh, Let's come on and end that qualified immunity. There you go. So, yes. <laughs> Because love heals, you know. If we, if you love yourself, you can love others. That's but right. It first, yeah. it first starts with you loving That's yourself. Right. And you'll be surprised with so many people who don't even who don't love themselves and do right. do unloving things. That's right. So mm -hmm. yeah, we, I agree, Attorney Man. We gotta love ourselves so we can love somebody else. That's right. Rabbit, are you good? Got I'm good. I'm good. I, you know what? I, I love it. I love what. Attorney Max said, I'm just going to ditto what he said. We just got to keep, keep.
keep the love going and uh and just know that the answer is always within you first stop looking outside for the answers from everywhere else mm -hmm. and please stop looking to those who have lied to you in the past mm -hmm. to tell you the truth today yeah amen and on that note we see you next week for turning the moment into a movement. Bye-bye, everybody.